Good evening, everybody. Uh, Reverend Joshua Miller here. Uh, tonight, you see the uh, preacher Josh rants, and it's uh, the truth behind remdesivir. Uh, I've been listening to uh, Dr. Brian Artis, uh, Dr. Zev Zelenko, and I would encourage you to listen to them and what they have to say. Listen to the Dr. Brian Artis show or podcast. Um, he interviews Dr. Zev Zelenko and they discuss the remdesivir and the death protocols and such. And they go into more detail and they're doctors. I'm not. Uh, so I'd like to point you to them and their expertise. Uh, but also, I would like to, because I am a preacher, a reverend, I care about people and I care about the truth and speaking the truth. And I believe the Lord called me to help spread the word and spread the truth. Uh, he gave us all as Christians, He gave us a job, gave us the great commission and to share the gospel around the world. It's also our obligation to speak truth. And there's a huge lie, and it affects me, and it affects you, it affects my family, and it will affect your family. And I've been convicted to spread the truth and speak the truth no matter what. So I am doing my best to do that here. And as I pastored a church in uh, 2019, uh, the Lord had told me to, as I was attending Grace Baptist, I was had been there not long, maybe a year there, and in 2019, early 2019, and a church needed help. Their pastor was was elderly and was his health was failing, and he was unable to pastor the church anymore. So I stepped in and started filling in for them, and I know the Lord convicted me to go and to pastor that church there so i was there through the pandemic the pandemic, and was helping with that church and the unity there and emphasis was on second chronicles 7 14 and second timothy 1 7. second chronicles uh, 7 14 is if my people which are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear hear from heaven, I will forgive them of their sins, and I will heal their land. If you go back up to verse 13, God says that, what if even a, a pestilence comes? So what? In other words, he says, trust me no matter what happens, and I'll take care of it. Well, that's what I was preaching. That was the emphasis throughout the pandemic was to trust God. Second Timothy 1 7 says, God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of love and power and a sound mind. And that's what I emphasized um, amongst all the teachings and preachings throughout the pandemic. And the Lord moved and was working. Uh, but ended up the congregation there let the devil get in. And instead of listening and heeding the word of God, they wanted to call, stir up trouble. So long story short, they came to me and said, we 
don't want you here anymore. We're going to kick you out. And so the Lord told me, agree. So I said, okay, then. So we had a, um, a fruitless meeting. And so I was made it clear at this meeting that it was them deciding to, they wanted me out and that if they didn't want to listen to what the Lord had to say, then I would step out of the way and let them have it. So I did. And the Lord's been moving and the Lord's been working, but the conviction is for me to call this out. We A lot of times we think, well, what can I do? It's just little old me. It's just one person. What am I going to do? Well, that's a lie from the devil as well, because notice who's stepping up. You have Dr. Brian Artis. He stepped up and is because his father-in-law uh, died from the death protocol from Dr. Fauci, which we'll look at here in a few minutes. Uh, Dr. Zeb Zelenko, he stood up. He's speaking out. Both of them are on a hit list now because they're speaking out. You have Dr. Jane Ruby speaking out, Dr. Malone. Um, you have um, Peter McCullough. You have just on and on these doctors that are stepping out and know the truth, knew something wasn't right. Something was up here and they were calling out according to their experience, something wrong. They stood up now. So we see we're within two years into this now. And on top of this, we've got the vaccine lies and it's a big mess, but there's people stepping up and standing out and using their voice. But my point is that there's momentum. We're getting momentum. You see, um, uh, attorney Renz, you go to Renz dash law and you can see what he's doing and the lawsuits there and the momentum that he's getting. Uh, you see the momentum in the school boards, uh, parents stepping up against the, the, terrible judgment of these woke school boards and kicking people out and taking over. So there's momentum. So don't think that if that you stepping up and speaking out does won't do any good because it will. If you step up and speak the truth, God can use you in great and mighty ways. What I want to do tonight is to speak on another person. I actually want to quote his work and I'm going to give him the credit. It's not my credit. But being how I'm not a doctor, I have to follow those that have uh, done a little more studying and have a little more experience than I uh, to try to understand these things. Now, so the title is The Truth Behind Remdesivir. And I'm going to use the book, The Real Anthony Fauci, Bill Gates, Big Farm and the Global War on Democracy and Public Health by Robert F. Kennedy Jr., and I'm going to read an excerpt out of that book. So I encourage you to buy that book, The Real Anthony Fauci, because in this it describes in great detail what is actually going on. On top of that, I would like to encourage you to listen to the documentary uh, that Stu, I think Stu Peters aired it uh, as Dr. Brian Artis, 
a documentary with Dr. Brian Artis, and it's called Watch the Water. And it is very eye-opening. And through this documentary, which is not all, they're going to release more. I don't think that was all the all the information that Dr. Artis wanted released, but they released enough to see that um, the sinister plan. This is this is like more pieces to the puzzle that paints a clearer picture of what they're doing. We already have enough to know that Dr. Fauci, the FDA, CDC, NIAID, NIH, uh, they're all Dr. Ralph Barrick, Dr. Alex Azar, uh, Peter Daszak, they're all guilty of murder. I'm going to go ahead and say that. They're guilty of murder. They're tyrants. They've committed crimes against humanity. And I don't. there's not enough people saying this, but we individually need to start saying this and holding people accountable. And if we start pushing back locally in our communities, at our homes, I've even heard of churches that have been promoting these jabs. Like I said, the church, they they wanted me out, said, no, we don't want you here anymore because I was teaching uh, biblically why we shouldn't be taking the jabs, and they wanted to jab every person in the church. So certain people did. So there was a conflict there, but I was surprised that more churches were like that. Uh, Franklin Graham, uh, I'm disappointed in him, and he he encouraged it and and put his seal of approval on it and he took it. Now he has myocarditis. He's having heart trouble. He's been in the hospital uh, for that reason. Uh, but anyway, we have a job to speak out and speak the truth. And we need to say what needs to be said, no matter what the repercussions are. We need to speak the truth. Uh, there is a capital punishment for a reason. There is our Constitution, our Bill of Rights, Declaration of Independence for a reason. There is God's law for a reason. This country was founded on God's law uh, for a reason. And we've got to do what the Lord has told us to do and called us to do. Tyrants need to be held accountable. And that's what we plan to do piece by piece and so that if we go back to that documentary from dr brian Artis, he actually reveals that the clue that he's found that he's finally thinks that he's found is that the virus is actually a a venom and if you watch that documentary he explains it very well and the fact that and it makes sense after he explains the venom from uh, from uh, a cobra or a crate or one or two other vipers, and the the symptoms from a snake bite are similar symptoms as what we've been dealing with COVID nineteen, especially the loss of taste and smell. So. I'll urge you to to listen to that documentary called Watch the Water. All right, so remdesivir. The reason why I bring remdesivir up is because I've heard that uh, that's the, of course, that's the standard of care 
in the hospitals. And so they, they get you with a PCR test. Doctors get paid with it. Then they hospitalize you. They get paid for that. They get paid for putting you on remdesivir. And then they get paid for putting you on the ventilator. And they get paid for killing you. And that's the way it is. That's the truth. That's the facts. And I want to explain that here. And hospitals get paid if if they can commit to that and follow through with it, follow through to your death. Dr. Brian Artis realized this with his um, father-in-law. And since then, he's been fighting tooth and nail, understanding God gave him this mission to do, to, to, to shout from the mountaintops. So I want to go back. Oh, I want to go over the history of remdesivir and I'm going to use the help of the book, the real Anthony Fauci by uh, Robert Kennedy Jr. So I want to go and again, I urge you to buy the book and read it. It's very detailed, very exhaustive. And so take that in mind with that, get the book, read the book and apply what we're, uh, this is uh, evolving because we still haven't pinned anybody down. I mean, we know, we know Dr. Fauci, we know what he's guilty of, guilty of murder, guilty against, of crimes against humanity. We know this, but it's a matter of us as we, the people stepping up and moving forward with accountability. So because there's more of us than there are of them, by the way. And God is on our side. So I want to take a look at remdesivir. And so I want to start reading here this excerpt. excerpt. It says, Anthony Fauci needed to use all his moxie and all his esoteric bureaucratic maneuvers, mastered during his half century at NIH, to win FDA's approval for his vanity drug remdesivir. Remdesivir has no clinical efficacy against COVID, according to every legitimate study. Worse, it is deadly poisonous and expensive poison at $3,000 for treatment. In fact, remdesivir's wholesale cost is roughly 1,000 times more costly than hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin. The challenge required Dr. Fauci to first sabotage HCQ and ivermectin under federal rules discussed earlier, FDA's recognition of HCQ and IVM efficacy would automatically kill remdesivir's ambitions for EUA designation. And even if Dr. Fauci somehow finagled an FDA license for remdesivir, demand for the product, which doctors were administering late in the disease, as it had to be given through an IV in the hospital, would plummet if either hydroxychloroquine or ivermectin stopped the COVID-19 infections early. So I remember that uh, Dr. Zeb Zelenko gave President Trump hydroxychloroquine, and that's what cured him of COVID. But Dr. Fauci here has to push remdesivir so he can make money. That's the whole reason that he's pushing it, so he can make money. So he asked the question, why would Dr. Fauci care to undermine any medicine that might compete with remdesivir? Might it have something to 
with NIAID and CDC having just spent $79 million developing remdesivir for Gilead, a company in which the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation owns a $6.5 million stake. The Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation is engaged in other large drug development deals with the company, including a co-funded $55 million investment in a malaria treatment being developed by Lindra Therapeutics. Gates has also funded the promotion of Gilead's Truvada in Kenya. Another Gilead partner, the U.S. Army Medical Research Institute of Infectious Diseases at Fort Detrick, Maryland, where the drug was studied in monkeys, also contributed millions to remdesivir's development. At the outset of the coronavirus plague, remdesivir was just another pharma-owned molecule that FDA had never approved as safe and efficacious for any purpose. In 2016, in 2016, remdesivir demonstrated middling antiviral properties against Zika, but the disease disappeared before the expensive non-remedy got traction. After the Zika threat vanished, NIAID put some $6.9 million into identifying a new pandemic against which to deploy remdesivir. In 2018, Gilead entered remdesivir in an NIAID-funded clinical trial against Ebola in Africa. I still don't understand how they get away with experimenting on other people in other countries. I still don't understand that. But anyway, this is how we know that Anthony Fauci was well aware of remdesivir's toxicity when he orchestrated its approval for COVID patients. NIAID sponsored that project. Everything is documented here. This whole study, this whole experiment is documented. In 2018, Gilead entered remdesivir in an NIAID-funded clinical trial against Ebola in Africa. This is a trial. And it's all documented. You can go read it. This was before the pandemic. Dr. Fauci had another NIAID-incubated drug, ZMAP, in the same clinical trial, testing efficacy against Ebola alongside two experimental monoclonal antibody drugs. Now, I want to mention right here that uh, what uh, Dr. Brian Artis found out is that, uh, with the help of other doctors, is that monoclonal antibodies actually work against uh, this COVID, whatever it is, even if it's a, a snake venom, which they seem to have found evidence that it is actually poisoning, it's actually a snake venom, is that monoclonal antibodies is, is an anti-venom. And it actually prevents the the venom from, from doing more damage to your body. Um Researchers plan to administer all four drugs to Ebola patients across Africa over a period of four to eight months. However, six months into the Ebola trial study, the trial safety review board suddenly pulled remdesivir and ZMAP from the trial. Remdesivir, it turned out, listen to this, was hideously dangerous. Within 28 days, subjects taking remdesivir had lethal side effects, including multiple organ failures, acute kidney failure, septic shock, and hypotension. 
and 54% of the remdesivir group died, the highest mortality rate among the four experimental drugs. This was before Dr. Fauci said it was the only approved drug for, for COVID. He already knew it was deadly. Anthony Fauci's drug, ZMAP, ran up the second highest body count at 44%. So you have remdesivir at 54% and ZMAP at 44% death rates. That's ridiculous. NIAID was the primary funder of this study, and its researchers published the bad news about remdesivir in the New England Journal of Medicine in December 2019. Fun fact, in 2019, I got sick with something and I couldn't explain it, and I was sick for about two weeks. By then, COVID-19 was already circulating in Wuhan. But two months later, on February 25, 2020, Dr. Fauci announced with great fanfare that he was enrolling hospitalized COVID patients in a clinical trial to study remdesivir, remdesivir's efficacy. For important context, this was a month before the WHO declared the new pandemic, a time that there were only 14 confirmed COVID cases in the United States, most from the Diamond Princess cruise ship. These individuals were among the first wave of COVID-19 hospitalizations from whom NIAID recruited the 400 U.S. volunteers for Dr. Fauci's remdesivir trial. Dr. Fauci's press release said only that remdesivir has shown promise in animal models for treating Middle East Respiratory Syndrome, MERS. It's unclear then if NIAID informed these frightened souls that less than a year earlier, a safety review board had deemed remdesivir unacceptably toxic. Less than a year before this, Fauci used it on those that had Ebola in Africa and it had a 54% death rate. And he says this is the only thing safe for COVID. That is clear with just that. Clear that he's, his intentions were to kill. Now, the fact is, he wants to kill. He wants to, he wants to make a profit off of people's deaths. And Bill Gates wants to uh, depopulate the world. And remdesivir being used to the IV was appropriate, appropriate for hospitalized patients in the late stages of illness. And therefore, it would not compete with the vaccines, allowing Dr. Fauci to support it without compromising his core business. And he is a vaccine guy after all. So... We'll see here that the point that it was also, besides murder, he's here for a profit. Murder for profit, I believe is the term. The potential profit upside was impressive. Remdesivir cost Gilead $10 per dose to manufacture, but by granting Gilead and EUA, regulators could force private insurers, Medicare, and Medicaid to fork over around $3,120 per treatment, hundreds of times the cost of the drug. 
Gilead predicted Rendesivir would bring in $3.5 billion in 2020 alone. So think about this. This is what I'm thinking about right now. Is the fact that he had Remdesivir already set up, knowing that it was deadly, knowing that it had a 54% death rate on the in the Ebola trial, and that was the only thing approved for COVID. So, and most, and you can listen to Dr. Brian Artis, and most, um, he figured out that, which I think is quite obvious now, but that remdesivir patients, he, uh, I think, approved for like 10 days, 11 days, approved that it was it would lessen the hospitalization. But most of the deaths happened at the, on the ninth day. So it was very deadly. But they looked to make a profit and to be rich off of it. And I'm guessing they were going to get rich off of it. And Bill Gates gets his genocide at the same time. But on top of this is that they make billions on remdesivir. They kill off thousands of people. And they haven't even released the vaccine yet. So, I mean, they've... It's crime on top of crime on top of crime. Dr. Fauci did not suddenly get the idea that remdesivir might work against coronavirus in January 2020. In one of his many extraordinary, extraordinary feats of uncanny foresight beginning in 2017, Dr. Fauci paid $6 million to his gain-of-function guru, Ralph Barrick, a University of North Carolina microbiologist. And that's kind of scary because that's close to me. Well, I'm in South Carolina, but... To accelerate remdesivir as a coronavirus remedy at China's biosecurity laboratory in Wuhan. Barrick used coronavirus cultures obtained from bat caves by Chinese virologists working with Peter Daszak's EcoHealth Alliance, another recipient of Dr. Fauci's funding. Dr. Fauci demonstrated his personal interest in those experiments by dispatching his most trusted deputies, Hugh Alkincloss in 2018 and then Cliff Lane in 2020, to negotiate with the Chinese government and to supervise Barrick's experiments at the Wuhan lab and elsewhere in China. So, I don't think I have to read much further to for you to. I think that's enough. Maybe I don't know. I don't understand the the blindness except for God. After people continue to sin and disobey, He turns them over to a reprobate mind, um, so they can't think clearly after that. But it's after the, only their own rejection of God and His wisdom and His knocking on the door. Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. But too many people are rejecting him. So, we see that this was deliberate. We understand that Fauci is a murderer and he needs to be, you know what, and he needs to be held accountable for the crimes of humanity. And so does everyone else that's complicit with this. And so does everyone else that is still pushing remdesivir. I have heard 
that remdesivir has been approved for babies um, weighing seven pounds for in hospital if they test positive for COVID. And I know that if they administer remdesivir to infants, that they are guilty of murder because everyone by now knows that remdesivir is deadly and that it kills by that according to that study 54 percent of people that take it so think about it if this is adults taking it and it kills 54 percent how many infants do you think are going to die 54 percent so say you got 10 infants in an icu because they have covid it's going to kill half of them it's going to kill five or six of the babies that are in the one room NICU. Uh, so I strongly urge you, warn you, and give you some advice as to uh, be on high alert with this and don't let them give you give your child, your infant, remdesivir. Don't let them give your father or mother remdesivir. Don't let them give your grandparents remdesivir. This is the only approved drug in the hospitals, as far as I know, still for COVID-19. The PCR tests are still failing, giving you false positives, and that's what they want to put you on this standard of care. The FDA's recognition of remdesivir as the new standard of care for COVID meant that Medicaid and insurance companies could not legally deny it to patients and would have to fork over Gilead's exorbitant price tag on a product U.S. taxpayers had, by then, spent at least $85 million to develop. Improving Gilead's business even more, doctors and hospitals that failed to use remdesivir could now be sued for malpractice leading some medical experts to believe that coercing the use of this worthless and dangerous drug on COVID patients almost certainly cost tens of thousands of Americans their lives. Dr. Brian Artis can one for one attest to that. Um, that's the pattern. Test positive for COVID, be hospitalized, be put on remdesivir, nine days later, you're dead. Uh, with the vent on top of that, the vent blows your lungs out. That's only The vent was only for people that are on the last leg, cannot support themselves at all by breathing, and then you use the vent at the very last resort. But that was not the case. They were throwing, sedating people, putting the vent in, and giving them remdesivir, which shuts down the kidneys and uh, fills your lungs up with fluids. And for a long time, people were mistaking that fluid for pneumonia when it was actually the remdesivir shutting down the kidneys. So the standard of care was remdesivir. Um, Dr. Fauci 
copied the choreographed script for winning Remdesivir's EUA from the worn, rabbit-eared playbook that he developed during his early AIDS years and then used repeatedly across his career to win approvals for deadly and ineffective drugs. Time and again, he has terminated clinical trials of his sweetheart drugs the moment they begin to reveal cataclysmic toxicity. He makes the absurd claim that his drug du jour had proven so miraculously effective that it would be unethical to deny it to the public. And then he strong arms FDA to grant his approvals. He's done this for like 40 years. And reading this book, I haven't finished reading the whole book, but I've read a a few chapters now. And one of the most horrifying things that I found out so far, besides this, him giving hospital patients a drug that has a 54% death rate, is the fact that he's been experimenting on orphans in seven states. Seven different states, he has taken orphans and used his death drugs on them, claiming, I mean, it, there's no excuse for that, but his claims was he's uh, searching for an AIDS drug, an AIDS vaccine. All of this was for, under the guise of AIDS research or something like that and i don't know but i don't get it i don't understand why he's still there other than the money um but we the thing is the point is wake up wake your family up i mean this has happened in every single state you're not secluded to the the trickery, the conniving, the uh, deception. Everyone has been tricked into doing this in every state. And many people have fallen for it to their demise. And we cannot continue to let this happen. I can't believe it's happened for this long, but there's so much confusion. And again, I want to state that God is not the author of confusion, so... I guess you know who is. And if you don't, I'll go ahead and say it. It is the devil. It is Satan. And Satan confuses people to inaction. The biggest lie that the devil has used lately is that somebody else will take care of this. Because we've sat back and there's so many people saying someone's going to come in and save us. The army's going to save us. Uh, the president who's not president now is going to come in and write everything. But the fact is that our country, the United States of America, is actually a Christian country in spite of what the Marxists try to say or the communists try to say or the socialists try to say um, with CRT in the public schools. Uh, no matter what they try to do at the hospitals, this is a Christian country. Uh, no matter what they did with the insurrection and they um, they planted a, what do you call him? A chairman, Chairman Biden. 
uh, in spite of all that, God is in control. He is He is the, in our terms, the president, if you can understand that. He's the president of this country. He's supposed, he was, uh, we used to quote something that said, one nation under God, indivisible with liberty and justice for all. Uh, so understanding that if we need to get on our knees, we need to pray, we need to talk to God, ask him for forgiveness. Uh, don't worry about the agnostics. Don't worry about the atheists. Don't worry about anyone else. Muslims, the Hindus, this is a Christian country. And we need to do what God has called us to do. We go. I go back to Second Chronicles 7, 14. Read that and apply that. And we all need to do that. You notice as for as a nation, we all must individually do what we're called to do. And we need to step up. I am, I would like to think of myself as a patriot. Uh, I love the Lord and I love my country and I understand this country was inspired by God. But he left us to uh, do something and take action. Jesus said in Mark chapter 15, I believe it is, that I left you here and this is what you need to do. Watch. That means you're on a post. That's a military term. Um, to you're, on, you're, you're actively looking for the enemy, ready to sound an alarm, ready to make the call to defend or attack, but you're there, ready. You're prepared. You have your equipment. And that's what God has called us to do, is to be ready, take charge, uh, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Jesus is coming back. We don't know that when he is coming back, but we're to be active and obedient and pray that he finds us doing his will. That is speaking the truth and preaching the gospel and sharing the gospel. And as James describes pure religion. Now remember, we have a relationship with Jesus Christ. All of us that have put our faith and trust in Jesus, asked him to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We have a relationship with Jesus, but our religion is this. Pure religion and undefiled before God is this. To help the fatherless and the widows in their time of need and to be spotless from the world. We're not part of this world. This is not our home. We're just traveling through. So keep that in mind. I hope this has helped you. Uh, if you would like to comment, comment in the, under the podcast and the message um, block below or send me an email, joshuaministries741 at gmail.com. I appreciate you listening today. Uh, let's close in prayer. Dear Father, Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you for your many blessings. We thank you for what you've done, what you've given us. Uh, we're thankful 
We are thankful for those that are standing up no matter what. They're not scared. They're not afraid. They understand life tomorrow is not promised. Life the rest of this day is not promised, but that you've given us a mission. We've called to action, a responsibility, and they're not taking it lightly. I pray that we would do the same, speak the truth, step up, do what's right, hold the wickedness, wicked ones accountable. Help us to do that, understanding we are a Christian nation. We are a Christian people. We need to get back to that. We need to repent. We need to ask for forgiveness. We need to do an about face and surrender to God and get on our knees and pray and humble ourselves. Seek your face. You promised to heal our lands and to forgive us of our sins. We're facing um, imminent threats here soon this year. Um, besides this and I, I pray lord that you would help us and guide us and strengthen us and help us to be the light on a hill help us to be that lighthouse help us to be that salt of the earth we thank you for what you've done and what you've given us and we give you the glory and the praise in jesus name amen